Okay, with Juliet McMeans, Rogue Reflection is the short film played at the Under Five Minute Film Festival. It's kind of an experimental film about somebody kind of looking in the mirror and not expecting what they're expecting. I guess it's a very, there's a lot to take with the thematically. Like we can all project what your film is about thematically because we all kind of deal with that where we think we see something in the mirror, but it's not what we perceive. So what is the film? What are you trying to say with this film uh, to the audience? Oh, well, um, I want the audience to take uh, from the film whatever they need to take. So oh, come on. <laughs> the ambiguity is important. Uh, but uh, this film uh, was actually originally a live performance uh, with a live dancer and a video projection of herself. And a lot of, and it happened, we did it, you know, just coming out of the pandemic when so many people were living inside uh, Zoom worlds, looking at themselves all day. So a lot of people took all sorts of uh, interpretations about how um, the version of ourself that we're looking at in the screen can have an independent life uh, and yeah. doesn't necessarily reflect how we're feeling on the inside um, and uh, the sort of anxiety about the virtual world um, having its own independent uh, desires and uh, uh, coming into conflict perhaps with um, what we experience as the physical world. Gotcha. Oh, so it's okay. And then, uh, cause I guess people can interpret it's like, it's like body image or, or about like, we are our perception of who we are like, yeah, but I guess that, that you can all, it's all about like being in sync. Like this, this character in the film is trying to get, get in sync with the, with her outer self, I guess. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it was very much inspired by issues of uh, image and perception on the inside and the outside and how they often don't match and how sometimes we have a desire to bring them into alignment. But that doesn't yeah. always uh, pan out the way we, we might be expecting. No, it's but it's also about like balance of human. Like we all try to be balanced. Like yesterday I was really off balance and I can tell like I was like making mistakes and then it's and then then today you want to try to center yourself i guess right that's like yeah. that's the, that's the kind of the goal of the daily life isn't it uh for many of us being centered is a holy grail yeah and so that so tell me okay so this was a prod this was a, a theater piece before and then what what propelled you to turn this into a, sh a short film uh, well, the audience reception was so um, positive that we wanted it to keep living. Uh, and I'd been making dance films. So I thought, well, how do we uh, translate this into film, right? Because there couldn't be a live version and a filmed version. So then I came up with the idea of a, a mirror version uh, that plays the role of the video version. Uh, and uh, then I did research on mirror um, mirror scenes in films and there's such a rich history of that and there's some yeah. great uh youtube videos that explain how to do mirror effects and how to get the mirror image to uh you know not act the way you might expect uh so it was also a fun technical challenge for me yeah well because you're i guess you're like in its layman's terms you're kind of splitting the screen i guess right so then you're and then you're able the performers performing at two different times in the film i guess yeah yeah, so I could do the, a mask. 
that must be difficult for them because not only are they tapping, but they're trying to re they're reacting to something that's not there, uh, like <laughs> on screen, right? Yeah, yeah. So the dancer Rachel Zurich is a student uh, she, uh, in the Department of Dance at the University of Washington, where I teach. Uh, and she was a senior when we did the project, so she's now graduated. And I, I just uh, love working with her. She was just so up for all of the experimentation that we did. And it took so many rehearsals and every rehearsal I would uh, film and then edit together what we'd done and we'd look at it and see, okay, what worked, what didn't, how does she have to adjust, how do, uh, we have to think about the, you know there was the acting of course that you talked about but also how to sync up the sound right because there were two different versions of her tapping and they had to you know work yeah. together yeah that's that must have been difficult well it was a process right but if we just we just followed through with the process of filming every time and editing together and looking at it and saying okay this this worked this was fun this was we could adjust uh, in this way. And then how did you do the ending where like there's like different versions of herself kind of like? Oh, well, that's actually the easiest part. That's the easy part? Well, that was just um, many layers that had um, like 80% opacity that I just layered on top of each other, just moving each one um, over a few frames or, you know, a few pixels. So obviously I, I see a, a a lot of dance films we have even a dance festival uh so i don't but i don't see many tap films and I, I always wonder that and it's like but i have a daughter who does she does jazz she does ballet and she does tap she's she's busy and she's only six but and she loves tap like very so much but it's it's the hardest one out of, out of the, the three and it's the least in demand meaning that it's the the kids are not like navigating towards tap, they're not going, uh, even though if, if I would start, it seems like to be the funnest dance thing, but I guess it's the hardest. Would would you would you agree with that? Uh, I think uh, whether it's the hardest or not, I think depends probably on your personality and the teacher that you have. Um, but it, it's such an amazing American art form that has been in decline, and I am really interested in I'm seeing helping that, yeah. to revive it uh, in the I mean, it's it doesn't need reviving in its it just needs reviving maybe in the public perception and in, as you said, the demand for it and its representation in film. There are amazing tap dancers all over the country. They just don't get as much um, visibility, I think. So why is that? Why is it in decline? Oh, I don't know if I have an answer for that. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I could talk about that why why it went into decline in the in the fifties when it went into because it was like the popular American dance form in the thirties and forties in the golden age of tap dance, uh, and it was what was featured in all of the Hollywood musicals. Yeah. Uh, but that was replaced um, by a lot of ballet and more jazz dancing and the sort of decline of the musical. But and that had to do with the the decline of jazz music as the popular music, right? So I think there's probably still some connection to jazz music now being somewhat of a, a elite fringe uh, and not a popular form. 
but there, you know, there has been great um, attempts uh, by people like Gregory Hines and then Savion Glover to revive tap dancing as something that's really vital for contemporary uh, music and doing it to rock music and such. But we really wanted to do something to jazz music, uh, and we did something to uh, was really special because the the composition was a musician who's also a tap dancer, and he was uh, one of Rachel's teachers. He teaches tap in our department, okay. so he would actually like bring his saxophone into class and play saxophone for people to tap dance to while he was teaching class. So I just want to get people to know that you're a professor at the Department of Dance at the University of Washington, which is in Washington State, correct? Yes. And the musician is Alex Dugdale, who also is an adjunct faculty in tap dance and an amazing jazz musician. So then so he composed the music. So you're basically kind of correlating jazz music with, with tap in a lot of sense, where it's like, if tap, I'm I'm just being basic, of course, but if tap, if jazz music gets gains popularity in the pop culture world, so tap would go with it, I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, they developed <laughs> together. Uh, tap dancing it was a form of jazz music as it yeah. developed, right? They co-developed. But it seems like uh, like a lot of jazz is like is uh, is is. Um, is not choreographed is like a, i'm look sorry i'm missing the word but it's sort of like there's a there's an inspiration there's an inspirational element to jazz music you don't know what's going to happen i guess right yeah improvisation is central to jazz music and to tap dancing yeah. and that may be one of the reasons why there's not as many tap dance films uh because when you're improvising it's a little different each time and uh often when you're making a film you know you want many different takes and to, in order to edit those together to have a coherent soundtrack that expresses the music of the feet in a poetic way uh, is tricky to do when you're doing multiple takes of something that changes a little bit each time yeah so so then so then basically the song was the song part of the the, the stage show as well yeah it wasn't performed live it was recorded okay uh, well, one of the things that was amazing is I was able to have Alex come to rehearsal and watch and give feedback. Um, and he would say, oh, well, you should really extend this part so it reaches the end of the sax solo. You know, I've never had a musician be like, oh, you know, this is really how you should interpret my music, which yeah. was fantastic. It was really great feedback. Uh, it wasn't like overbearing. It was just like really like, oh, yeah, that's smart. <laughs> and you shot the, Did you shoot this in like a, in one day? Film? Yeah, we shot it in one day. And the the challenge with the tap dance is that we had to shoot it without the soundtrack because we wanted to get crisp tap sounds. So yeah. she was listening to the first half of it. She was just listening to a metronome in her ear so she could sync up with herself. And then yeah. the second half, she was listening to the soundtrack in her ear. And then I had to sync up the soundtrack later in the in post and but not only that she's performing like i said we alluded before like she's like she's actually performing motion like there's an arc with her character like she in in of course she's performing with herself but herself's not there when it's happening so there's a, there she's doing a lot like she's she's in sync with the tap dance but she's also got that in, as you said in the ear 
and then she's also kind of you know performing like she's she's she has there's a, the character has a journey that's a very difficult role for her she's amazing she did the acting the tap dancing she did much of the choreography of the tap uh, rhythms and steps i made suggestions um but she really took it and and rolled with it and created amazing uh rhythms and and sequences so what do you uh, what was uh in terms of the post-production was it like was it difficult kind of like was that a difficult process putting it all together I don't know if I would say it was difficult. It took a long time and it was, but it was uh, fun. And I really enjoyed all the challenges. I would say, yeah, syncing the music up and was really challenging, especially because I had, you know, the different tracks of her tap dancing and the music to sync up with the images. Uh, so that was a big challenge that uh, took a while. And I would actually send it to Rachel and she's like, ah, I think this is a few frames off. Yeah, this right here because yeah. um, her ear is much more attuned to the you know the micro uh, timing of the tap dancing because I'm not a tap dancer only in my dreams am I a tap dancer I still have a fantasy of some someday studying tap uh, but I'm just such a big fan um, the other big challenge in the post-production was um, the section right after she um, jumps out of the mirror uh, because I was catching her the wrong version of her in the reflection of the mirror so I had to do so much masking uh, at such sort of micro levels to deal with that um, and if I had maybe another day of shooting I might have been able to get an angle without catching the mirror but I only had the the lighting designer Peter Brasilano, which I really needed, you know, lighting to make it work. I only had him for one day. So we had one one take to get it ready. Yeah. That's amazing. And how many films have you made? Like how many dance films have you made previously? Oh, I'm not sure. Because uh, it depends on which ones I count. You know, I've been okay. making a lot of them, but very small some this one took a lot longer than most of the ones i've done have been much shorter projects um but in order to learn i, I just keep making them uh, a lot of them have been on myself during the pandemic I, I made several films with myself uh and my dance partner with the you know the uh furniture being the camera person what's your what's your expertise as a dancer uh well I specialize in social partner dances and their theatrical expression. Uh, right now, I'm really focused in tango. Before that, I was very heavily involved in the salsa world. Before that, I was a professional competitive ballroom dancer. Uh, and I have a lot of background in many, many other forms as well. Wow. So you're, 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 you're an expert then in the field. Uh, in some aspects of dance, absolutely, I'm an expert. <laughs> but dance is so vast; I'm not an expert in in all of it by a long shot. So, what did you think about the? Uh, we send the audience feedback to you. What did you think about what the audience had to say about your film? Oh, it was so fun to listen to um, because there there were moments that I had found really cool in the film that some 
people like pointed out and that was really satisfying to hear oh wow that landed uh it was also really satisfying to hear the different interpretations some of which i thought about but some of which i hadn't even considered so that to me is like really a sign of success when somebody interprets your art in a way that you didn't even think of because i think the uh opportunity for an audience member to read something into the art that really um comes from their personal experience is what makes great art um it was also neat that every team member that i worked with got like a shout out right because i had a costume designer and a lighting designer and the musician yeah. and the performer uh and then also that people sort of saw like the whole thing work together it wasn't just each of those elements that they all worked together yeah it's a nice it's a nicely put together dance film and like i said i love the tap aspect of it i, I want i want tap to be revived so yeah <laughs> what suggestions would you have to um to someone like I, I alluded to my daughter, what suggestions would you have to an upcoming uh, dancer? Pace yourself, or what would like would what, what would you say to your six year old self? Oh, what a fun question! Um, I would say to really follow your interests, uh, because there are so many different forms of dance in the world, mm -hmm. and you might not be exposed. To to the ones that are going to grip you and speak to you the most. Uh, but when you see them or have even some uh, exposure to them, something in you is gonna really like shout out and say, wow, that's for me and to follow that um, because the world of dance is so wide. Yeah. And why, why should you um, limit yourself to the, the small world that you're exposed to just by virtue of where you were born? Uh, what you got exposed to in your own community. Well, sometimes right. you you only know what you know, right? You only know what yeah. what's in front of what you're exposed with. But I think it's a great device. It's like to get the you know someone like my daughter who loves dance to get her more exposed to different types of uh, different types of field, like different types of dance uh, situations, so then see what she likes the most. What I find uh, frustrating is that is that it's the same it's the same analogy with sports too, where like. It's like the parents are bringing their kids to dance, even though the kids don't really want to be there, but they're like, they're, they're, they're attempting to like recreate their own childhood. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then, so like that then it disrupts the class because not everybody wants to be there. Is it like, this is for younger kids, I, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, and even for adults, there's so much to, to try in the dance world and you're never too old to try it tap yeah. dance in particular is something that uh you can start at any age my mother does tap dancing and she's 80 yeah and she loves it yeah my my wife started uh we lived in like downtown toronto and she started flamingo classes and she loved it and she did like a dance thing. And then we moved, we had, we had, we moved to the suburbs because we had more children and there's no flamingo classes in the suburbs. And she's like, you can tell that she really misses it a lot because it's like, you're only, you only could do what you're exposed to, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, there's always a study abroad in Spain to study flamenco. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's like later on. Is yeah. that where you would go, like study flamingo in in uh, in Spain? That's uh, the, that's the... Yeah, that's where it's from, and there's uh, that's where I yeah 
And it would be an amazing study abroad experience, you know, in, in high school or college. Yeah. Well, this is my wife, right? So basically, oh, she's oh this is your wife. Oh, yeah. well, then, yes. Well, you could go. I'll tell her that. I'll tell her to go study so, abroad. I'll take care. I'll take care of the, the home. <laughs> well, the whole family can go on a, a, No, a, I guess the point I was trying Sevilla. to make is that, is that is that you only like it's it's a, some people get lucky, right? Where they're exposed to like as you like a lot of different classes and a lot of different areas. Like you, like you, you remember Lou said in your blog interview, like you're looking for mentorship. I think mm -hmm. we all are, and it's like, but sometimes it's like you're you're limited to what you're what's around you, I guess, right? That's basically my point. Yeah, or you can chase it as I'm doing right now. Yeah, and and what I learned in COVID is that is that is that dance classes online, like basically like virtual, are okay, but there's nothing like being there in the class, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's better than nothing, but yeah. um, I feel like a dance class online is like 10% of what you get. 10%, 10%. yeah. That's, I, I was going to say, I was going to be more liberal and say maybe 30, 40%, but yeah, <laughs> you know better than I do. Well, I think it depends on your perspective. As a teacher, I find yeah. it like soul sucking. So I <laughs> find it even less than 10% satisfying. Yeah. But as a student, I think there's, I had more, uh, I got more joy out of it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I'd love to see more of your uh, work. Uh, hopefully you'll uh, we can submit again. And uh, yeah, this is a fantastic film. And uh, there's, like you said, there's so many deep thematics in, in this film and it's all the interpreter of the viewer. So I'm glad that it's doing well for yourself. And uh, I know you're on vacation or sabbatical right now. So I appreciate your time and taking your time to talk to us on uh, during and when you're because you're in South America right now, correct? I am in Uruguay and I've been in Argentina and I'm doing lots of film projects here. So it's not quite vacation. It's uh, but it's really fun to be able to work with different kinds of artists. That's amazing. All right. So hopefully we'll get to talk again. All right. Thank you so much. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight.